You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanishevsky. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast. I am your host, Natasha Spanishevsky, and today the show is coming at you hot from New Brunswick. Yes, I'm on the road for a little golf trip, one of my favorite things to do. And lucky for all of our listeners, I feel like they're super lucky because one of my good friends, uh, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners, my listeners, and I call them my listeners. I'm sure a lot of you know who she is. Lindsay Hamilton, who I used to work with at TSN, is also on this golf trip with me, and she is guest hosting. Well, you're kind of hosting, but you're also the guest because we're going to get into like your background and stuff like that, but we're also just going to talk sports. So welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here from a different hotel room five feet away from you. (laughs) I like that attitude. Yes, we don't really know what we're doing with the technology piece. So we decided that the best way, hopefully, is you're in your room. I'm in my room. We're on separate laptops. I don't know. I felt like there should be another way we can do this sitting side by side. But I don't really know with the mics and how all that works. So it's kind of funny that we're talking through a wall. But so far, I think it's working. Yeah, fingers crossed. We're on my hotspot. So let's hope we get through. And I love that you said it's a golf trip that I'm super excited for, but I don't have my golf clubs yet Yes, because those are lost. We, yeah. So we should explain to the people we are out here at Algonquin golf resort, uh, mm-hmm. for two, well, kind of three days, I guess we're going to play a couple of rounds of golf. We just got here, geez, like an hour ago, we just rolled into the hotel after uh, driving through very rainy and windy and twisty roads from the airport. Unfortunately, our flight was delayed getting in, but even worse than that, Lindsay's golf clubs are not here. We don't know. Well, we think we know where they are. (laughs) We hope, we hope, fingers crossed. Uh, First of all, kudos to you for that drive because that was a windy drive, but you crushed it. And yes, for the golf course, it'll be maybe played with some rental clubs tomorrow morning because when I went to the front desk after we landed, when my golf clubs did not arrive, the gentleman at the counter gave me a 75% confidence rate that my clubs would come by tomorrow morning's tea time. So 75% does give me some optimism, right. although I don't know if they're going to get here on time. Yeah. And the reasoning really made no sense. I was like, but it was a direct flight from Toronto. I'm like, yeah, well, the flight was heavy and there wasn't enough gas. So apparently they decided not to pack the clubs. So is this what can you do though? Well, do we name the airline at this point or do I, don't, I don't know? Like, I know you're thinking about it. I can see your face as you're talking about it and you're purposely not naming the airline. And right. I'm kind of on the fence with you. Do we butcher them right now or do we just whatever, let it go? I mean, if this was Twitter and they could actually do something by calling them right. out, maybe. But by the time this goes to air, unless they're going to give us some free flight vouchers. I don't know if there's a purpose. So let's just, you know, throw the good aura there. We won't throw them under the bus. Okay. And hopefully the karma gods will deliver the clubs on time because we're trying to save face. How about that? I think that's good. 75% chance according to the gentleman at the desk at the airport. So yeah, we will wait and see, but yes, yeah, so we're here for this golf trip. I've never been out here. I have barely heard of this place, but uh, you, me and one of our other friends, Kristen, we're out here. We're going to check out the course tomorrow. Hopefully the rain stops and uh, golf a little bit, which I feel is 
I don't know. I feel like golf is the hot topic of conversation um, as of late. I mean, it's the end of the season, basically. We're into the finale of the FedEx Cup. It is the Tour Championship. Round one went today. Not a lot happened. I mean, it was, it was kind of underwhelming today. Um, Patrick Hanley finished up with a two-shot lead over John Rahm. Hanley was ranked number one coming into this, so I don't think there were a ton of huge surprises. I still think people are talking about what happened last week at the BMW Championship. You and I were talking about it a couple hours ago as we ate our fish and chips um, by the roadside or whatever that diner was that we Delicious. found. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't around <laughs> last weekend, so I PVR'd it. And I watched it and I saw all the putts that Bryson DeChambeau missed. Everybody had been talking about the putts. So I saw them and this whole thing with poor, I'm going to call him poor Bryson. Not everybody agrees with me that he's poor, but he's, he, a lot is happening with him because people were taunting him after that loss. The whole Brooksy thing is going down. Now the PGA is going to throw fans out of um, not the arena off the course, I guess, if they're getting too loud and rowdy. So there's a lot of attention uh, on Bryson DeChambeau right now. No Brooksy allowed. I know Bryson is arguably the most controversial golfer on tour. I kind of love it. I think he brings a really unique element to the game. I think you have a lot of people who are maybe fringe golf fans. They get involved in the conversation because they have an opinion. And if there's anything that Bryson is, he plays by his own rules. He operates on a different textbook and, you know, it's called the mad scientist for a reason. I think, I think he's just a really passionate golf fan who loves the game, plays the game well. And he's always trying to figure out different things to do, different approaches he can take, whether it comes down to his body and transforming and putting on weight or it comes to the length of his clubs or how he plays a course completely different than other guys mm -hmm. on tour and you know you have to give him some credit that he's doing things differently and the way he wants to do it but it is ultimately going to rub some people the wrong way and then there's the whole Brooks Kepka Bryson feud which I always wonder how genuine it is do they ham it up a little bit for the crowds I don't know but I mean from a broadcaster perspective it makes things really interesting True. Yeah, it de it's definitely sort of adds some color to the story. It's funny because I feel like Brooks is not even a part of it at right now. Like it was obviously Patrick Cantley and uh, Bryson in the playoffs. And it's just, it's all about Bryson right now. Like I, I though all those putts that he missed, he was such an easy target, I think, right. He's already kind of an easy target. Just like you were saying, he doesn't come across as the most likable guy. Maybe he's just has bad social skills or whatever, or he doesn't care. He just wants to be the best golfer and that's it. But he doesn't come across as the most lovable guy that fans want to cheer for. Not all of them. Anyways. I mean, people love seeing how far you can hit it. Right. But mm -hmm. it does seem like a guy that, I think you can get under his skin and I think fans realize that and watching him miss all those putts and then he was getting frustrated and you could feel the crowd getting on him and I felt bad for the guy and it, it, it was just now they're making this rule like it's just he's getting more and more attention which I don't think is going to work in his favor at this point and I think in sports in general like you can go through that the list some athletes are just more lovable and then we all know that certain athletes are controversial like in every sport has them you think of like 
I just think of tennis, Roger Federer, like pretty much loved across the board. Uh, then you think Conor McGregor, like very controversial. And I'm not yeah. saying Bryson is, can be compared to either of those, but I think as far as golf goes, like golf is a sport that prides itself on etiquette, on how things are done in a certain way, in a certain fashion, probably more so than any other sport. And there's kind of this code that people play the sport by. And I think Bryson has shaken that up, unlike anyone we've seen before. And it's gotten people talking. And with the Brooksy thing, I mean, I think my first gut reaction thought it was a little ridiculous immediately because I thought of every other sport you watch, whether that be football or hockey. And, you know, you think of fans getting involved and calling out people's names and taunting. Um, but then I thought there was a couple other ways you could look at it and it would change your perspective. And I know Roy McElroy even said, he's like, as golf grows as a game, your fan base is going to grow. And I think golf is trying to grow when it comes to having concerts associated with golf or, you know, putting beer gardens and, and trying to make it more accessible and to grow the game. And with that comes the fan who's used to maybe going to a football game or a hockey game. But McElroy said it, he's like, we're not like other sports though. And that's kind of what we pride ourselves on. The fact that we are different. And he's like, I think we should hold ourselves to a higher standard. Um, so I don't know there's a push and pull and an argument to be said about that, but like, what are you going to say? People can't yell mashed potatoes. Like yes. how far does it go? Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of those old school people. I hate that ridiculous yelling. I hate the mashed right. potatoes. I hate the get in the hole. I hate the Brooksy thing. My favorite major now is the masters because it's just quiet and the yes. birds are chirping and the leaves are rustling and that's yep. all. You, you can you still hear the roar of the crowd, obviously, which is what I want to hear. But to me, all that other stuff is just ridiculous. And it kind of ruins it for me. And I know there will be a ton of people who disagree with me. But when I'm watching on TV and I hear them yelling, get in the hole on every single shot, even after a putt, it's just like, stop. Stop. No, I don't I'm, hear it. I'm totally with you on that. I think it's obnoxious. I think it takes away from golf as a sport. And while I think there is definitely something wonderful about fan engagement. I do think golf is a different sport than football, than hockey, than basketball, than baseball, than whatever you want to say. And I think fans also have to realize the proximity the gallery has to a golfer is a luxury. It's a privilege. Like you are so lucky to be four feet away from a golfer walking past you at a certain point. So don't, abuse that privilege similar to basketball like in basketball if you're sitting courtside you are told don't talk to players don't taunt them and if you do like imagine if LeBron James is on the court and you called him a nickname if LeBron wants you off the court guess what you're out of there yep like you don't just get to taunt him because you feel like it and well I think it's one thing to be involved in the action I don't think that necessarily gives you a free pass to taunt players yeah, I guess it's a little bit different. Like the get in the hole is just, I guess, whatever fans, I guess they think it's funny. It drives me crazy on a par five. You're like, get in the hole. Like, what yeah. are you doing? You look like a fool. Right. So, so there's <laughs> that. But then there, maybe the taunting is a little bit different. Like the fact that they made this rule now, if you yell Brooksy or if you say anything disrespectful, I think is how they said the PGA has the right to 
lead you as a fan off the course and that's it you're out so I'm I'm curious to see how this will go down if fans will continue to yell if the PGA will be really serious about it and start taking because where do you draw the line I guess right obviously is the question but if the right. line is drawn so that people aren't yelling I think that's anymore, what I'm okay with it right and I think you know as soon as this came out there were people saying I'm going to every round he's playing and yelling Brooksy now because it got them fired up and Maybe it's even location. Like you think of the waste management open and that attracts a certain type of fan and it's an atmosphere and it encourages it. But then you mentioned the masters, which I think a lot of people, one of the reasons they love the masters is because it has that elegance and you don't see people on their phones and you can't, you can't walk around Augusta with your cell phone and just all the tradition, like it, it makes it unlike anything else. And that's what makes it special. And that's what sets golf apart from so many other sports. Right. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting, like I said, to see if the PGA uh, actually follows through with this and, and how Bryson deals with it too. I, uh, I, I don't love the guy, but man, did I feel bad after all those <laughs> that he missed? That was rough. Yeah. And I don't know. Like you get it. Like golf is different. Golf is also, it's a quiet sport. Like what other sport can you think of where you want everyone to be quiet when you play? Like most sports are the exact opposite. You want people to be rowdy and some athletes get fueled up when people say things about them. But then there's the other element that honestly, I didn't think about right away. And I can't remember the analyst's name. Otherwise I would give them credit, but they mentioned you know, there's a mental health aspect of it too. And I think it's so easy just to immediately say, well, you're a professional athlete. Like you shouldn't care what fans say. You shouldn't let it get in your head. And that's so ridiculous to even think about that. But I think something we're being more aware of these days is the importance of mental health amongst athletes. I think Naomi Osaka brought that to attention. A lot of people have followed suit. So, you know, if that's something that Bryson is actually dealing with, And, you know, if it is something that bothers him, well, you know, at a certain point, you also want to protect your athletes and and their mental health. So I don't know. I think it's a more complex discussion than just an easy, well, you should deal with it because the sport's the sport and suck it up. And I think that's probably the first reaction most people have. But when you dig a little deeper, you know, it's, it's a complicated issue. Yeah. It's a very good point about the mental health um, aspect for sure. Um, when you're out there by yourself, you obviously don't have teammates to rely on, right? So it's just you and yeah, golf, tennis, very similar that way. So, uh, it is, I think it is a little bit different for them. You're right. As opposed to playing on a team and having teammates to rely on a little bit. Um, so yeah, we will see where this goes. Uh, I kind of want to switch the topic a little bit to you because I don't know if everybody knows everything about you. I was thinking about it when I was thinking about the questions that I wanted to ask you and you and I worked together for quite a while and we hosted the same show together for quite a while, but there's still things I don't know about you. Um, Let's start at the very beginning. Tell me about your childhood and your involvement with growing up. Oh man. Love it. We're peeling back the layers here. We're going deep. Um, I am the middle child in a family of five. All of my siblings played a ton of sports growing up and everyone's hyper competitive. So that was just a huge part of my childhood for as long as I can remember every night of the week, I was doing a different activity. Uh, My sister was a national gymnast. 
my brother competed at a national level in rowing and then played football in university. Sister played gymnastics in university. I played lacrosse in university. My other sister played lacrosse in university. My other sister played squash. So everyone had their own sport. And that was just always what we spent our time doing. Um, so as far back as I can remember, that was what my childhood looked like. So you were in it right from the beginning. So when did you decide that you wanted to be a sports broadcaster? Right. So in addition to sports, I always loved being active and I just really liked talking to people too. Shocker. I can be a bit chatty. Um, so when I was pretty young, I started getting my mom to drive me to like various theater things. And then when I was 13 years old, it just so happened I auditioned for um, a major motion picture, Peter Pan, and almost got the role of Wendy. And then that kind of put me into the world of television. So I started doing TV as like a job. I've been working since I was 13 years old. It's been a long time, um, but I loved it. So I tried to balance that with sports and Sometimes it got tricky. Like I remember the summer I played provincial lacrosse and was trying to go to various auditions. Like it was a lot of driving and I give so much credit to my parents for somehow managing the schedules of five kids and they were, you know, intense schedules. But my first big break in the TV world probably came five years after I'd been auditioning and doing little gigs here and there. And then I landed the role as host of the Family Channel. And initially it was a one-year contract um, for kind of, it was like a preview to a weekly movie and then they kept me on and I ended up working there for just over five years. And that to this day just remains a favorite job. It was so much fun. I got so much experience. I think because I was still young, I don't know if I necessarily put a ton of pressure on myself because now I look back and I'm like, wow, like if I had screwed up in that moment, that was a pretty big deal. Like we were interviewing some pretty big Disney and family channel celebrities. We were traveling all across North America, Um, but I loved the work. I was able to go to McMaster University and study communications and film, played varsity lacrosse and could still work with the family channel. So that was great. And then it was probably in my second year in university that I realized I really wanted to get into sports broadcasting and start transitioning entertainment into sports. So I started a sports radio show, started reaching out to gain any and all experience in sports as I could. So did some work with the CFL, worked for Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, worked for the Pan Am Games, worked in news for a little bit, worked in radio. Um, Then I worked at CBC and then from CBC came to TSN. So when you really look back at it, I'm like, wow, this has been a long time. But as you know, any journey is so unique and unorthodox and you kind of just keep hustling and figure out what you want to do and then just set a goal and try to make it happen. Right. I love it. So for you then, because you kind of started in an acting role, does that, is that right? And then now you're doing live, which are two very different things. People think, oh, you're on TV. It's all the same. No, they're very, they're very, I'm not a horrible actress, but I think I'm okay live, but explain the difference between the two, I guess. Or what do you find challenging about live? Yeah, I think, well, ever since, like, again, when I always say, when I was a kid, I always loved sports and I loved talking to people and at the base of what it is, like, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I love storytelling. And I think that's so similar in broadcasting or in the world of acting, like acting, you're telling someone else's story, but in broadcasting, really, you're just trying to properly get an athlete story across. Um, and I mean, again, probably cheesy, but I just love some of the values of sport that were instilled in me ever since I was a kid. Like I just am truly 
attracted to whether it's teamwork or discipline or like setting goals and achieving them or like how to lose with grace or, you know, like just kind of things that I think make you a good person and build some key qualities in people and values. And I think I've always been attracted to those and a sport started becoming more and more a part of my life. I really wanted to tell some other people's stories and, you know, ideally hopefully shed light on those stories to people across the country, sometimes better than other, but mm-hmm. that's what I'm attracted to as far as like sports broadcasting goes. Got it. That makes a lot of sense actually. So you have done, I mean, you've anchored, you've reported, you have driven around, um, traveled around the world to cover different tournaments and events. What is there something, what are the things still left on your bucket list when it comes to broadcasting? Oh boy. Um, would love to report or host from the Olympics on location. That's my bucket list. Yeah. Um, I really love interviewing people. So I love not only talking about sports, but like them as a person. So their family, their values, their fashion sense, their vacation. And I think a lot of people are actually interested in that too. Like sure. The athletes, one thing and their highlights and how they performed at their most recent event, but they also want to know who there is a person, why they operate that way. Like I love even talking to athletes, parents sometimes, because I feel like it's so revealing into how they became the way they did. I Um, love that. Even with my friends, I love meeting their families because you get such a different perspective right away. Oh, that's why you are the way you are kind of thing. I totally agree with that. Yeah. That's why people love the sports docs, like whether it's Tiger Woods or Serena Williams. Yes. Kind of like peel back some of the layers and you're like, Oh, I get it now. Like this is why you were shaped into the person that you are. Mm-hmm. There's always the nature nurture argument, I guess, but I think it's so fascinating to see the things in someone's life and how it ultimately shaped them into who they are. So you, um, I don't know where I want to go. Oh yes. Let's talk about, I guess your role models. Ooh. Did you have any? Uh, I did like in life in general, like my mom, I'd say, was a huge role model um just in the value she taught us and I think both my parents but you know just again like I think the introduction to sports I'm so thankful for that and then I would say as far as role models in the tv world go Brenda Irving at CBC was someone I looked up to and you know, I remember vividly watching the Olympics and her covering figure skating or gymnastics. And I remember sitting thinking to myself, that is the world's coolest job. And sure enough, when I came to CBC years later, like she was very instrumental in helping me. And and I was just so full circle. I'm like, you were someone I looked up to. And then when I was younger, I looked up to Jennifer Hedger on TSN as well. And I just remember that she was such a trailblazer as far as women in sport go. And then now there's still so many other women. I love Sam Ponder. She's down in the States, but I think it's important to always have people who, whose work you admire and you just realize, I mean, now obviously women in sports is far more common in certain roles. I think women still have a long way to go, but I mean, you know, yourself, even like you look back 10, 20, 30 years ago, um, women were not as common as they are now. And in certain roles, you just never saw them. And that's why, I mean, I know you've gotten the emails and the messages from young girls too. And it sounds cheesy, but it honestly, it reminds you like why you do what you do, because 
you can't see it or you can't be it if you can't see it, right? Like you yes. girls need to see women in these roles and the Canadian women's team just winning gold or our soccer team winning in Tokyo or what Penny Alexiak did in the pool. Like young girls are watching these women achieve. And I think sport has the power to change the world, which I'm just like cheesiness galore here. But honestly, like I think you need to show women on TV, women in sport. Like that's how you get the next generation of girls involved. It doesn't just happen. They don't just dream about it. So yeah, those are women I always looked up to. Who did you look up to? You know what? Somebody asked me this question before, and I always feel strange talking about this because I didn't really have many role models in the industry. Like I don't remember seeing a lot of women on TV when I was growing up watching it. There were a few, but I, I had already started thinking that I wanted to do it anyways. And then there were a few women that I was watching, but I, I mean, Martine Guyard, I always watched on Sportsnet because I lived in Edmonton and they had the West feed out there. So she was on, she was great. Um, Jennifer Hedger, obviously, I, I mean, she had just started, I think at TSN kind of when I noticed that she was there. So um, I don't know, but, but yeah, it was, it was few and far between, I think the, the women out there that I, that I saw. So I, I don't know. That's a tough question for me to answer. Yeah, but I mean, maybe even to your point, though, it it just proves that like when you were growing up, there weren't that many women to look up to. So yeah, it is that women keep paving their way. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What's the uh, your most favorite event that you've covered? Ooh, Uh, is that grammatically correct? I think just favorite. What is the favorite event? I mean, we're pushing past eleven thirty here, so whatever. Like, I'm eating my chocolate plate away. Um, a long day now um probably the masters i really 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 loved covering the masters i also loved covering the cp women's open when it was at magna a couple years ago um Mm -hmm. it was supposed to be at shaughnessy last year and then this year but covid but i would say the masters and also love doing the olympics i haven't been on location but covering it from cbc from like the reporting desk standpoint those would be my fave Who's your favorite NFL team? San Francisco 49ers. Right. I knew that. I remember taking photos of you last year, maybe it was, or the year before for Instagram, some kind of promotion you were doing and you were wearing a jersey, but I couldn't remember. I was like, I know it was red. I think there was red in there. (laughs) Remember we were in the lobby of your hotel? Oh my God. Condo. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I had to send one off. I'm like, can you take a photo of me? Yes, I do remember that. That's hilarious. Um, Yeah, I mean, I love as far as travel goes, hopefully the Delta variant doesn't limit our travel, but I'd love to get out to Levi Stadium and actually see a game in person because I've never been. But my sister used to live out in San Fran. So I kicked myself. It would have been the perfect opportunity to go. Yeah. Um, So hopefully I can get out to a game sometime soon ideally she also well, lived in new york for a while and i wish i'd gone to the u.s open when she lived in new york i'm like lived in all these great places and i missed my opportunity so i'm not gonna have to go solo you know what after all the trips i had to cancel because of covid i think the lesson is if you have a chance to go somewhere go because yes oh you never know when the pandemic will pop up totally that, well, that was my motto when i was in latvia for the men's world championship yes Initially, I was telling you this, I had planned to stay for five days after because during the tournament, I lived in the bubble, was only able to go from the hotel to the arena. 
And then day two of the travels after the tournament, when I was out of the bubble and living like a free woman, I realized this opportunity may never present itself again. I was basically traveling Europe with no tourists. And I was like, I'm staying here for another week. And I extended it because I didn't know when I'd be able to travel again. And I missed it. Amazing. I would love to go. I've been to, well, I've been to Prague, which is kind of in that area, but Mm -hmm. Russia and Slovakia, all those places I would love to go there. I'm jealous that you went to that area. Oh, it was beautiful. And I mean, now that I've been over, I want to do Estonia and Lithuania and you can take a ferry over to Stockholm. And I mean, there's so many things of COVID that we missed. We were talking about how we both have gone to live concerts recently and how incredible that was. But for me, when I was over there, it doesn't really hit you until you're in the midst of the thing. And I was like, I'm traveling, I'm traveling. Like, this is incredible. Similar to when I was at my first concert recently, it was like halfway through the show. And I'm like, man, I really, really miss this. So it was nice. Well, hopefully there, these things will start to come back soon. I mean, we're out here in New Brunswick, which is amazing. I'm glad that we got out here for this trip. Hopefully it goes off without a hitch. I think it will. Um, I was just thinking other things I know about you before we go, we're going right away, but I had two thoughts that came to my oh, mind. Gosh. One, okay. I mean, I was going to ask you to sing, but that's kind of ridiculous. Cause what are you going <laughs> to sing off the top of your head? But Lindsay is a fantastic yeah. singer. So maybe you'll get a chance to hear her sing somewhere. I don't know. I wouldn't even know what to ask you to sing right now. What a tease. I was going to say, I could try and think of something on the spot. Maybe that can be a tease. I'll okay. sing your, I'll sing your intro someday. Sure. Or you can sing on the golf course tomorrow and perfect so we'll, there you go we'll post it on social media but the other hopefully thing, i have golf clubs to golf with that is true um i was just also thinking about you and me and how we ended up in the same drive through line at mcdonald's after one of our rounds of golf <laughs> unknowingly because so i got in the bat i'm gonna call it a bad habit but golf right. for five hours walking in the 40 degree humidity in toronto which happens quite a bit can be really tired I would start going to McDonald's right after my round because I'd be starving and I'd go for a milkshake. And one time I went to the drive-thru and I forget, were you in front of me or I was in front of you? Uh, I think think you were in front of me, but I think I had been talking about it during our round because (laughs) if I remember correctly, and this sounds like me, so probably it was dollar drink days. And I was saying, (laughs) and I was saying how great a diet Coke tastes a cold Diet Coke taste yes. after a round of golf. When, as you say, it's boiling hot. Or sometimes, if I'm feeling gluttonous, a Diet Coke and a vanilla ice cream cone. And I was like, oh, for sure I'm going. And you, I think, were on a healthier train than I was. You're like, well, I don't know if I should. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going 100%. And then, sure enough, I saw you in front of me. And right. I was like, okay, not alone. Basically, I caved because I have no willpower is what happened. Um, but I agree with you. A Diet Coke. Yeah, a diet. I had a Diet Coke on the plane today because I was up at 5 a.m. this morning and I had a coffee on the first flight and then another coffee. And I thought I have to stop with the coffee, but I still want caffeine. So I had a Diet Coke, which I don't normally drink. And it was delicious. Sometimes just hit the spot. And I have to say, this is a weird thing. But Diet Coke drinkers, not that I'm like a diehard Diet Coke drinker, but when I have it. The fountain Diet Coke tastes so much better than the bottle or the can. Random, but really? people will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, don't you think? I haven't had a, I haven't had, what did you just call a fountain? I can't even remember what it's called. A fountain drink. I haven't had one for a decade, probably, oh. for those machines. 
treat yourself. Get a fountain Diet Coke drink. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow after our round of golf if we don't get <laughs> blown off the island or off yeah. the course into the ocean. Yeah. Okay, Lindsay, it is 11.30 p.m. New Brunswick time. We've both had long days. Um, we have to go to bed and get ready for our tea time. Thank you for being my guest host. Thanks um, for having me on. This was yeah. so fun. This was great. I'm glad to hang out again and we will be keeping an eye on a golf on the golf this weekend. NFL starts next weekend. So we'll be talking uh, a lot about that on the podcast next week. And I think if you, I mean, you should come back on the show. If you go to San Francisco, you can tell us all about it, all about it or whatever. We'll get you back on here at some point. I'll come on anytime. I'm going to leave my hotel room and come say hi since we've done this five feet across from each other. (laughs) And for all the listeners out there, Hopefully I have golf clubs to actually golf with tomorrow. If not, there's always rentals, but fingers crossed. The man who said 75% is correct. We this was fun. Out. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, and thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good weekend. You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. Come on!